Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hi, welcome to episode 49 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week's guest is Heather Holland Daly. She's 40 and lives in Belleville, Illinois, and she's a cross-stitch designer who sells her original designs under the name Monster Bubbles. She has an interesting career path because she has a background in theater, so she can sing and dance and craft. And Heather's going to tell us how she made her way from the stage to retail to eventually becoming her own boss. She's been in the design business selling her cross-stitch designs for a few years now, but she'll be talking a little bit about what it's like to break into the industry, how she got started, and some of her future plans. So stick around after the show. You'll get some information about a new contest. You'll get a chance to win one of Heather's designs. Okay, so without further ado, let's hear from Heather. I'd like to hear a little bit about just your background, um, if you've always been kind of artsy and crafty your whole life, or if this was something you kind of stumbled into. I have been crafty my whole life. My mom's an artist, so we always had lots of paints and crayons and stuff around the house, and my mother and my grandmother both cross-stitched or did some needle pointing, but mostly cross-stitch for as long as I can remember. So I don't even honestly remember when my first project was. But I probably really started getting into it on my own, where I was actually purchasing things instead of stealing my mom's stuff. <laughs> when, when I was about, oh, I'd say, late teens, and definitely when I was in college, I started really stitching a lot. Where did you go to college? I went to Southern Illinois University. First I went to Carbondale, and then I went to the Edwardsville campus. And what did you study there? Musical theater. Okay. And did you end up going into musical theater after graduation? Yeah, and actually I didn't graduate. I was working and went on tour. And Oh, so you got a gig before graduation. That's yeah. exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. My teachers were all like, go, leave, work. <laughs> you can, because work's not always there. Well, yeah. That's, so what were you working on? How did that come about? It's like any field where if if you start to, you know, if you work with one director a lot, they'll refer you to somebody else. Sometimes you get jobs not auditioning because you do know somebody. But for the most part, you, you go and do your 50 seconds or 30 seconds of a song or a monologue or something, and then they decide whether they want you or not, basically based on that. So, yeah, I did a lot of dinner theaters and and summer stocks all over, all over the United States. So how old were you when you, when you left college and started performing professionally? Um, you know, the first time around it was 23, and I worked at amusement parks, and then, then I was probably, I went back to school again, and then I was, I don't know, 25 or 26, and I did that for about four, four years, I guess. That's where I met my husband, too. I met him at a summer stock. Oh, yeah, what production? Um, well, we were doing Annie Get Your Gun, I think, <laughs> when we actually met. He's a carpenter, so he wasn't actually in the show, but 
there was, a, I mean, we did Godspell that season. I think we did seven shows that in like four months or something. So it, summer sucks crazy. Well, that's wonderful, though. So you can sing and dance and all that kind of stuff? I can. Yeah, well, that's excellent. Yeah, I can, uh, well, my sisters would tell you that I can't dance at all, and I'll tell you that I can't sing at all. <laughs> so, so I have to say, if we got to pick one thing that we could do, like just for a day, I would want to sing because it's. I just think it's just fantastic to be able to sing. So it is fun. yeah. So so you did that. You said you met your husband um, at the time, and uh, so what did you keep performing, or what it, what what happened next? Um, I did keep performing, and I was kind of tired of the living on the road and living out of suitcases and. When I met him, he was still in college at the University of Nebraska in Kearney, so we decided that we were going to move in together, and so I moved to Nebraska for a very short amount of time and started working in a retail clothing store. Um, well, that was a big called, change for you. To yeah, kind of. Yeah. I always sold stuff. You know, I just think frequently actors or salespeople too. I well, you kind of have to be able to sell. you got to sell to those when you're doing an audition. It's In a way, it's a sales pitch. You know? Sure. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, so. So, yeah, long story short, I ended up working for this company for six years and managed for them and opened stores in Missouri and Tennessee and then California and just kind of moved all over with them for a little while. And then I quit and my, my husband and I finally got married. This was like 10 years later after we met. But so that, but the whole time, the entire time, I was stitching. Like, I would come home from work at the retail place and sit there, grab a beer, and sit in my big green chair and stitch all night long, like till midnight. I, I would stitch constantly. Other people's things usually at that point. Mm-hmm. And so you were, but you were, it was cross-stitch? Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay, so you were always into that. So what did you do with all these things you made? Um, framed a lot of them, gave them away as gifts. I have a drawer full of finished, beautiful little things that I just like to look at sometimes. Yeah, well, that's great. So it's just something that you, that was how you'd unwind, you know, come home and just relax with your completely yeah projects. I think a lot of us do that. Because I know yeah, for me, sometimes you just feel like, and I always, I hate the feeling of when you're someplace and you don't have a project with you, but you have some downtime. <laughs> it's, I, I, I love having projects with me. And the cool thing about cross-stitch is you can bring it with you. Yeah. So, yeah. did you find that when you were performing, did you bring projects on the road, or was that something? Oh, sure, yeah. 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 So, you kind of had the reputation of being the, the crafter in the bunch? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, it seems like you run into lots of crafty people, and I mean, they're all into different things, whether it's photography or painting or something, you know, in, in that field, but... Um, yeah, they knew I was stitching all the time. Now, I know that you have your, at that time you said you were doing other people's designs, you know, just kind of stitching other people's work or their creations, but what led you eventually to produce your own? You know, it was definitely when I was working for the Buckle, when the clothing store, that I uh, I knew that I could do it. And I, I was taking everybody else's designs and pretty much, not changing the design so much, but changing the colors of the thread and the colors of the fabric. And I'd been doing that for a long time in this shop that I shop at all the time, the one I'm working at actually today. Um, the owner there said, oh, you should just make up your own things. And my mom and I had discussed it for at length for, for years, and I finally just did it. I finally said, oh, I'm going to just jump off and see if this works. And we had dozens of ideas for patterns, but nothing had been, you know, nothing had been put down on paper or anything yet or mm-hmm. on fabric at that point. So when I quit working for the buckle, I 
I was kind of, I wasn't sure whether I was going to go back and do theater again or I was kind of just fishing around for something to do and that's when I started. I actually had the time then to really go in whole hog. And what did you, when you made that transition from, you know, working a regular job, you know, where you had to be someplace at a certain time and for so many hours and you switched gears and suddenly you have more time than you had in the recent past, you know, and what was your creative process? I mean, how did you, you know, did you set aside certain blocks of time to work on this? Did you work on it every day or how did you kind of give yourself the creative space to, to be able to come up with all these ideas and execute all your ideas? I wish I could say I was really organized about that, but I I don't think I can. I'd be a lie. (laughs) (laughs) It just kind of happened. I don't know. I, and my husband was really instrumental in saying, oh, yeah, you should do it. And stop stitching other people's things. You've got great ideas. And, you know, and so it just kind of, all of a sudden I had five really solid designs stitched, framed. And I, they, they do needlework markets two times a year where the specialty shops, so the trade-only shops, can come and buy from all the different designers. So mm-hmm. I knew that the the shop, Mom and Me, um, she was going to a market in Nashville, and that was in February. So I knew I had to she, – she volunteered to bring those models with her to Nashville and just show a couple of distributors. So that was my kind of deadline in my head. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was like the midnight before I needed to ship them, I was still putting patterns together, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, right. so she took them along with her? She did. She took them, and uh, at the same time, I mailed a packet to, like – two of the biggest distributors that I, that I knew of at the time and um, just mailed them saying, hey, would you look at these? And I think they get, uh, they probably get dozens a week of people, different, you know, patterns and whatever. So um, one of the companies picked me up like the next week I heard from them and simultaneously, and I think it was partially, Karen had showed them the models, you know, at the same time. And so between those two things, it really got me started. And yeah, before I knew it, it was, kind of a big, bigger than I thought it would be. I was amazed that anybody would want to buy them still, you know. <laughs> so you have distributors, you, you create your designs. Do you sell direct to anybody at this point? Um, some. I, I try not to because I like to support all those little needle shops all over the place. But every once in a while, because of the Internet, I get, I get a, a shopper who really can't find it or doesn't want to shop online. and um, so I, I will do it then. And I, I have kits and things that, that some of the shops don't carry. But for the most part, I I have like a list of four or five shops that I that I have worked with a lot. And so I give them their – either they have a website or they have a really good mail order business or something. Mm-hmm. But, so I just point them in that direction. And that usually pans out for so, them and then I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can just focus – it sounds like you like to focus on your design process. I do. It's amazing how much time the other stuff takes, the shipping and the packaging. And oh, yeah, and I think a lot of times people don't even realize because you think, oh, it would be so great to have this business, and, and then you got to do the boring parts, too, of the business. You know, yeah, and in is... the beginning that was kind of fun because I'm kind of organized like that, like writing down addresses and making the packages pretty. And, you right, know, but, right. But, yeah, now that's one of the biggest have and I probably having a child a two-year-old in your house affects that to a certain degree too you know just 
the time, you know. Right, right. Well, and if you put a package down and you turn to get the tape, um, the package might not be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it might have like a peanut butter mark on it or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are no fragile things at our house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can imagine that. Yeah, that does certainly does change things a bit. Yeah. But um, so you've been you've been Monster Bubbles has been in existence for how long now? Um, three and a half years. Okay. And so can you tell me how you chose the name Monster Bubbles? Sure. Um, as I was growing up, we had a cat that we found in a, we had a blizzard that was like 30 inches of snow, but we lived right across the street from a grocery store, so we were okay. You know, we could walk to the grocery store. So one day I was walking to the grocery store and saw this little kitten walking through the snow, and I picked him up and I put him in my jacket and went ahead and got all the groceries for my mom and picked up cat food and I brought him home (laughs) and he was this little chubby cat that had extra toes so he was polydactyl Uh like Hemingway's cat so we ended up keeping him of course you know we weren't going to get rid of this cat because I was I don't know I think I was a freshman in high school I'm not sure I was that old actually but anyway so um, we had a favorite children's book that was drawings of these bubbles that were monsters and it was a counting book that we'd had for years, and so we just, I don't know how it happened, but we named him Monster Bubbles, and so he was just a deer family animal, and that's how I named him, that good company after that kitty. Well, that's that's cool. That's cool. That's a great story. I always love to hear how people choose the names of their businesses. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So so Monster Bubbles uh, lives on in, as the inspiration for, or one of the creative forces behind your business. That's great. Yep. Yeah, and um, so when you're, when you decided to start your business and do this, were you, um, it sounds like you had confidence. You knew that it was going to work out because it's something you'd been stitching for years and you had all these ideas. And it yeah. sounds like you had a connection through your local shop. Um, you knew the local shop owner, so she was able to help you kind of get in contact with distributors and so forth. But what would you say the most challenging part of it was? Because it sounds like you had you know, pretty, I mean, things went pretty smoothly as far as the connections you had, but what was the biggest challenge that you encountered trying to start it? Uh, money, just trying to to go to markets, you know, if, if I had orders for, let's say, 50 of one chart, and just getting the printing, you know, the printing costs were amazing to me at first, and it seemed I needed more up front than I then I felt like I wanted to invest. And at the time, we had just bought a historic house in downtown Riverside, California. And so we were pouring all our money and time into this old house. And so just coming up with $1,500 to do printing and not put it on a credit card or, you know, whatever was a, was a big deal. Right. And then you, you, you know, and at that point when you're just starting out, too, you don't have a, there's no absolute guarantee, you know, when no, you start exactly. something like this, it's going to work. But, right. um, you know, it sounds like you had this, you know, goal and a dream, and you it worked it out. So, yeah, printing costs, yeah, I can imagine, because that's, you can't really put a kit together without printing up your, your design, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of an and essential part of it. It's an obstacle that you can get over, but it definitely is a leap of faith to say, okay, I'm going to print up 500 of these, and gosh, I hope to sell them, you know, but... If and you how, build it, they will come. Or yeah. Well, how how fast did you sell those first five hundred that you printed? Um, pretty fast, actually. Some of the designs obviously better, but one of those original designs still is one of my better sellers. And which so one? Strength. It's a big tree. Okay. I wonder so, if I saw that. Is that on your website still? Yep. It says the strength of a tree lies in its ability to bend. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Well, I, one, one of the things I love about your work that, you know, when I was looking at your designs online, I really love the, I mean, everything's very inspirational. I mean, it's, um, and interesting sayings and just, um, and I love the witch series that you're doing right now uh -huh. um, <laughs> with just the hat, the witch's hat. And, um, and you have, you don't have the whole year done yet, do you, or, or do you? And I just didn't. I do. They're do. not all on there. Okay. Okay. You're keeping us in suspense here. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's a clever idea, you know, to have for every month there's a theme and, you know, they're all witches' hats. What, what led you to create the, do you have a, a thing for uh, witches or? No, not no. necessarily. It's more of a historical thing for me that the whole Salem witch trials, because each one of those hats is named after a different Salem so witch. So you have that historical influence coming through mm -hmm. very strong. And the theater thing, I mean, that's the, the show, The Crucible, as a, as a play that I had read probably even in high school, and I've seen many times, and that's basically based on the witch trials as well. Mm -hmm. But it's just fun to do the little research. And the hats actually are much more whimsical than, than the stories behind these women, you know. But, right, right. But, yeah, that was, and I tried to, originally I had, a, like if I was doing the April hat, I wanted to find something that happened to one of those women in April, but I kind of strayed away from that a little bit. <laughs> well, I, anyway, all the charts have a little bit about what happened to that alleged witch. Yeah, and you can see, I mean, you have that on your website where people can hear a little bit about, and it looks like that's probably just a partial. Is there more included for the, when they get it in the, if they buy the kit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's no big, you know of history or anything, but it's just a little... Well, it's fun because it's more than just getting a, a kit to do a project. You kind of learn something or reminded, because I know I've read about the Salem Witch Trials in school as well, but it's been a while since I've read this stuff. So it was interesting to me to kind of click and, and check out not only your design, but also what you had to say about, about these these women, you know, and the, the interesting names they had, too, you know. So. Yorkus Whore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's really, really cool. And um, so do you sketch these up? And when you're, what is your design process like? You know, I do sometimes. I, ha I journal a lot. I used to a lot more also before I had a child. I journaled all the time. But now it's, um, it's on napkins. It can be on you know, whatever I have when I see a quote or I, I think of something. I'll just jot it down, whatever. But a lot of times it's just in my head, and I just start immediately with a, on the computer with a cross-stitch program and just dive into it that way mm -hmm. anymore. Um, sometimes I'll have a piece of fabric in mind that that's where the colors would come from. But for the most part, um, it's either a little tiny rough sketch or just in the computer. Okay, and then you just from there um, decide, do you, do you do the color designs on the computer? As well, um, I'll get close, but I don't usually pick colors until I decide on a piece of fabric, and then then go from there. So I'll just lay out. I'll have lots of. <laughs> I've got all my thread organized by color now, so all the different brands are all. So I can just, if I know I need a pink, I just kind of throw the pinks on there and start eliminating the ones that you know I want to darker fuchsia or more of a rose or whatever. So do you have several projects in development at once or do you kind of focus on one design and then get that done and go on to the next? I I probably have 15 things going now. <laughs> yeah, that's my my approach as well. You know, I don't, I, yeah, I have tons, I have countless projects <laughs> Yeah, it's started. possible not to, I think. I'm amazed at the people who can just start and stop. But I also have model stitchers. I've got four people, actually five people stitching for me right now 
different designs because that's that's the bummer of it is that I don't always have time to stitch anymore. You know that is a bummer. Yeah, because you love that. You love that. So so how do you um, resolve that in your head? Because you're like, okay, I need to get more designs out. <laughs> I don't. You don't. You don't. <laughs> you're just I usually have something. Like I'm right now doing one of the stockings. I try to find ones that are a little bit smaller or like I do a lot of that stitching on screen. Um, I tend to do the things that are a little bit Yeah, that's the sample that you sent along to me. And I, I was curious about the stitching on screen because what, what led you to start doing that? You know, it was that old house that we were fixing up. We I had to replace all the screens in the front, and my husband built the frames because it was built in like 1890 or something. And it sounds like a beautiful house. Oh, it, it was very pretty, but I was spending so much time with the screens, and it was right in the beginning when I was thinking about building monster bubbles, and that's that's really where it, it came from. I was thinking, ah, why? Well, I bet you could stitch on this. I wonder if you could, and <laughs> that's where it came from. So, did you stitch on the actual screens from the house? Uh, no, I didn't. I, in my pattern, I think I say that I did, but I didn't. <laughs> I, we've got cats, so I always thought, well, this would be a great way to fix those little snags that your cats put in the screen. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, there's. I think I have um, a book. It's either a book or a magazine I just looked at. I have so many things they blur together. But, yeah, where someone actually did stitch on a screen and left it as their screen. Yeah, um, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. I've talked to people at at the needlework markets. I've talked to several women who said that they've done their front doors or something. Great idea. Yeah, well, it's to, and just to have the time, you know. If you just yeah. had countless, you know, boundless time, um, <laughs> yeah. un unlimited amounts of time, you could easily do that. But uh, well, I, I'm looking at, you know, I, I brought the website up now to kind of look at some of the stuff. And, I mean, I, I love the range that you have because you have not only some interesting sayings that, you know, with the, where the, the words seem to be kind of the emphasis, you know, the message, but then you also have um, kind of, I, I think, the one, uh, Vera, the one-eyed girl, one girl asking, yeah. where's my present? Um, <laughs> I mean, where do you... She, she's actually a creation of my friend um, Ryan. He, Ryan Quincy is his name, and he um, he's a lead animator on South Park. Oh, you know what? I just saw here that I, I now I'm just looking at Ryan. I see the explanation here. Oh, so he's the lead al animator on South Park. He, um, he and my husband were actually friends. That's how I know him. And, okay. And he, he went to school in Kearney, Nebraska, just like Tim, and they were roommates at some point. But anyway, they, he lives in L.A. now, obviously, and he's done lots of stuff, but he also has his website, a hoot, too. It's um, just cute little quirky one-eyed people and animals <laughs> they're very cute though so you decided to make one into a, a cross stitch yeah, which is kind of cool because it kind of gives a whole new dimension to it. yeah you know? uh well that's that's cool so do you collaborate a lot or is this one of the times that you... no no i don't actually it just i was at his house one afternoon and i was like can i take that home <laughs> yeah i think i want to make a cross stitch out of it he's like really yeah well, that's cool. That's really cool. So do you have a favorite design? Uh, you know, no. I have a favorite almost always as I'm working on it. You know, that, that lady, Lazarus, right now is one of my favorites, but just because it just kind of got done. And, and did you get to stitch that one? Uh-uh, I didn't. One no. of my model stitchers did it. We fin I finished it, but I didn't, I didn't actually stitch it. Yeah. And so you you basically design, pick the materials, and then give it to your um, stitchers to, to yeah. complete. And how long do most of these designs take, on um, average, would you say? 
couple weeks if you worked on it all the time. I mean, everybody has, everybody's time schedule, you know, is so different. And some women stitch just uh, like one day out of their weekend, or I shouldn't say women, because men and women, everybody. Some do it every night, some, you know what I mean? Some yeah. don't get a chance to do it all. So that's hours-wise, I don't, I couldn't even tell you, but if you worked on it every night, it'd say probably two or three weeks, probably. Yeah. And you have, I noticed that you're doing a lot of, um, you know, we're incorporating wood in your design. So when people finish the project, there's kind of like, it's not framed, but it's kind of, you know, you have a couple of pieces of wood that you'll have people uh, kind of sandwich the, the piece in between so they can hang it up. Yeah. What was the inspiration for that, incorporating the, the wood instead of um, having a traditional frame? Well, my husband and I have been talking a lot about non-traditional framing and how Monster Bubbles, as far as the crustage world goes, is kind of not mainstream. <laughs> so, right. It is, yeah, no, not at all. It's it's really uh, unique. Yeah, and so we were just talking about different ideas to frame as well. Why, you know, why do we always have to go and put it behind glass or, you know, go to the framing? So plus, sometimes for a lot of people, that's very expensive to do. And there are, definitely are some pieces that you would really want to put behind glass and to save it, you know. But, right, but right. some of the things we all do aren't necessarily those kind of heirloom quality things, you know. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to spend seventy dollars on framing that sun or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. When you can buy more um, supplies to make more yeah, projects. Like, <laughs> the joy of it isn't necessarily the finished piece. Always, it's the. The process, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we still, we keep thinking, like, old tires, you know, could you make a frame out of an old tire? <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. That'd like be kind of hard to ship, but, yeah, you could. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's a, he's got a big wood shop at our house, and so that's where that frame came from. Is that Sarah, my sister, kind of had the idea for it and then sketched it out, and then he comes up, you know, upstairs and says, what's this? you like this one or does this work? And, you know, <laughs> once you get him going, there's all kinds of things coming out of that shop. Sounds like this has become a family business where um, he's really involved in, in what you're oh, doing. Oh, yeah. Well. And my sister, too. She's done a lot of the stitching, and she always has really good ideas. And my mom, as well. She comes up with quotes all the time, and she's, she's really the artist in the family. I have her draw things out for me sometimes that I can't quite get a grip on because just because she, she can draw anything, it's amazing. So I'll say, sketch this for me real quick. Yeah. Or give me a horse. Or... And then do you scan it into the computer then? And then No. No, well, I can just look at it then usually and, and, and copy it or, you know, it just gives me kind of a frame of reference. Where, and I do that a lot. If I, so let's say I'm doing a fish, I go online and look at all different pictures of fish. And, I mean, just like any artist would. Right, look and then find what you like and draw your own and then... Exactly. Yeah, and so for, I don't know anything about cross-stitch cross pattern design, but is it um, all computerized now? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So you have your design, and do you have to import your design into a computer program for cross-stitch? Um, no, you can do it in the cross-stitch program. Oh, okay, just drawing in the program. Okay. Exactly. Well, that would save you a step then, too. Yeah, and you draw in squares and X's, and you pick out your palette. So Very it's cool. pretty much right there, looks just like a chart. So did you have that program before you got started with um, decide you want to do a business? Um, I had, yeah, I got it about the same time because yeah. I knew that that was something I was going to have to have. And I've since gotten the more professional 
version of it, which I don't know. You could do it with a $19 one, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But There's that's, more things you can do with this one. Yeah, and so it's, it sounds like it's something that you're, you haven't looked back. How many designs have you come out with in the three and a half years since you started? I think, I want to say almost 60. Wow. But that, that probably doesn't count. Like, you do freebies for magazines. I have a couple um, things like charts that I would do complimentary that people could take, shops could take back so that they could have the opportunity to sell some fabric or some thread, you know, and have a free chart for their customers or a complimentary chart for their customers. Yeah. <laughs> that, but, um, so, yeah, I'd say around 65 or so. I knew, though, that I was going to, I was trying to have a baby and, so um, I was still doing some theater in California, and my goal was to just really jam and get as many as I could, like 10 new designs every market that I was going to, so so that I could make you know enough of a presence in the marketplace that mm-hmm. if I needed to slow down because I was going to have a child in my house, that I could, and it wouldn't be like, where did Monster Bubbles go? You know? Right, because you still have some things to to roll out at the at the fairs and. Uh... Market, yeah, so that's cool. It is. I think it's really important that there's lots of things to look at, and you do that. I think some of the designers that start, you know, they only have two or three things, and um, it's easy to get lost in the in the fray with all the different things that are out there, unless you have a pretty many, you know. And plus, I think it, it makes you credible to shops too when you, they see you keep continue to put out a lot of things. Right, instead of the one great pattern and then in uh, project. Uh, kit and then you're like done you know <laughs> yeah and I think so, that happens to people yeah. I've definitely bought charts from people before or of designers and thought where did they go you know, I bought three of them because they were great and then I never see or hear from them again and yeah or they get in and they realize they don't like doing all the shipping and stuff too maybe that's what it was but <laughs> well how competitive is it oh I think it's pretty competitive it's friendly competitive but there's just a lot of things out there that look exactly the same. Yeah. And I think there needs to be some more. I mean, the, for me, the designers out there that that uh, you can just, there's some you can just pick out of a crowd. You know exactly whose it is, you know, and that they're, those are the ones that are, will do well, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, yours obviously is, you know, not the, you know, you're not going to see 12 others that look like yours. And I think that's right. what makes it. Because right away when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I need to talk to this woman. <laughs> because That's good. I, yeah, well, I think it's it's just cool to see you kind of, uh, I guess, stitching outside of the box here because it's not it's not like um, everything else you see if you're walking down the row of, um, you know, in a, in a store and you, you see uh, all these kits available. Um, this one, yours are going to are, are different for sure. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because the um, – <laughs> Um, your kit that you called two that you sent me, uh, you know, a sample of of that. It's really interesting because it's it, it says here on the side that I, I I smiled when I read this. Based on my newest tattoo that I designed for my left arm. Now, how many how many cross stitch kits are going to say based on the tattoo that I designed for my left arm? I haven't Probably seen anything many. else like that. <laughs> so for you, this is personal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is very personal for you. You know, this is something you're putting something of yourself in here. Yeah. And what is the significance behind this design? And maybe what I'll do is post a, 
I'll post a picture of, if you don't mind, the image that's on your website. And we'll also have links, of course, to your website. But so people can see what we were talking about. Uh, they go to the website. But what was the significance or inspiration from? I, you know, I don't know that I had one. I, I, I listen to, I've been listening to your podcast, you know, and I listen to these artists and they, they have such inspiration and, you know, they can tell you very clearly where an idea came from or something <laughs> I think. I, I just don't operate like that. I don't know. And some, I can't say that I never have an inspiration, but it just, I, I marvel at some of these people. I think, gosh, how smart they must be. <laughs> well, I and think I, sometimes people are just a lot more, um, you know, maybe in tune with exactly remembering exactly how, you know, they got to from point A to point B, and, and then there's others who just kind of head in the direction they're think, they think they should go, and, and things fall into place or they don't, you know. Right. And in your case, they <laughs> fell into place, you know. And, well, it's interesting, too, and I, you're using, and for this particular design, you're using beer bottle uh, um, caps, bottle caps for your kind of, is a, you know, kind of an element with the uh, wing nuts that you secure mm -hmm. the, the screen uh, in between, which is really cool. So um, does that give you an incentive to, you're like, you know, I am drinking this beer to help my business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need more bottle caps. <laughs> my husband and I used to always save the caps. And for years we did this, like when he was in college. Yeah. And then one time we went through and colorized them all. Because I always thought, wouldn't this be cool if you had, like if you ever owned a restaurant or a bar or you had a table and you're, game room or something you could mosaic the whole thing with beer caps yeah that would be cool i save I bottle caps we'll, well i save bottle caps myself too for like this grand plan project that i will do maybe or maybe yeah. not someday yeah yeah well then there's the, you know how those little earth i think that was the name of the company that had those belts that were all bottle caps yeah and mm -hmm. shades and so i was like oh see we could be them <laughs> yeah so needless to say we've moved them around several times and so when we were looking for some kind of interesting washer for this Tim that was Tim's idea for sure yeah well it's, it's interesting it gives it a, a little bit of whimsy there you know you're not yeah. expecting that and so your pieces it sounds like you you like to surprise people when it comes to the even the framing or you know because it's not only your designs unconventional um, and unique there you, you incorporate beads also into your designs I know yeah I've just got this year I've just gotten really into beads and I've been making jewelry and what have you, but yeah, they've crept their way into my stitching, and they probably will continue to do that. Um, I'm writing a book for Interweave Press right now. I told you that, and one of the designs that I'm going to have in there is a is a screen, a, a bracelet, and so it's going to have beads and threads, hand dyed threads on it. And it might do more than one actually, because it's turning out really cute. And awesome. And when is your, like your book's coming out? When? Uh, next a spring of 2008, so quite a ways away. Yeah, well, that's well, so. How long have you been working on the book? Um, just a couple months, actually. I haven't got to my first deadline yet, so yeah, it's it's kind of, it's a new, completely new experience. One of those things that you don't exactly. I didn't plan to do this. You know, it wasn't one of my big goals in life, but it just sounded when they mentioned it. You know, would you be interested in writing a book? It was like, huh. Well, I don't know. I've never thought about it, but the more I thought about it, oh yeah, heck yeah, that would be would be very much fun. And well, so I, did you do some work for them through a magazine or something first, or uh, -uh. no? Nope. How did you get in contact with the folks there? At the 
TNNA, the National Needlework Association craft show. Oh, or, yeah, okay, okay. It was in Indianapolis this year. and Actually, I had a lot. It was, it, I think with any business, you know, a couple years, you've got to give it a couple years. But this year has been one of those, like, light bulb years for us. People are fine. You know, people are finding us that wouldn't have before, maybe, or hadn't noticed us before, and magazines are approaching me, and just all kinds of things, you know. And I might might be doing some kits for Bucilla, which Jenny Hart is, that's how I met Jenny Hart, is they said, oh, you should check out her things, you know, we're going to work with her, and we're they're looking for a new, you know, younger audience to appeal to, and so I... I had never heard of her until they told me, and I was like, wow. And so so that kind of thing is happening to me, just the different. I never thought I'd design kits for, you know, that might be in Walmart or, you know, Michael's or that. It just didn't even cross my mind that that would be something. So. Or a book. Yeah, well, and it's exciting. So how do you find the time to manage all of it? Because I think when, once you get these doors start opening, it's probably hard to say no to anything. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. it's so exciting, yeah. you know. And I'm not a no kind of person. I always, like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> you yeah. Know, get it done. Um, yeah, we, my, we've just had to really schedule our time really well. You know, my husband will take my son, you know, he'll work all day and we'll eat dinner and then he might take him out and play in the park for a couple hours. Just those hours or, you know, 45 minutes just do wonders to get get a great deal done. And actually, Miles is at an age where he can sit and play, you know, with something like his Fisher-Price barn or whatever for, <laughs> right. for quite a while. If I'm right in the room with him, or he's got his own little bead box, so if I'm fussing with beads, he can get out his beads with, like, footballs and things and try to string them. And so, so yeah, the older he gets, the easier that's getting. But yeah, the time is no doubt about it. It's an issue. Well, it sounds like you're doing probably better than you even expected with this business in just three and a half years. It sounds like it's grown really fast, and you're getting some great opportunities. I mean, is it is it amazing to you to to have you know to not have to worry about getting your next retail job or, or finding another um, production to star in before you know <laughs> just to pay the bills? It sounds like this is going really well, and that's wonderful. But are you did you expect it like this, or did you think it was going to be harder? Yeah, and sometimes when I talk to other people and I can tell it's harder for them, it, it's kind of like you realize how lucky you were or whether, and a lot of times I think you're right in the right place at the right time or you just happen to make the, you know, make friends with somebody or whatever. But I think that industry just needs a shot in the arm and that wasn't my goal in life. See, like when I started this, I was just putting the thoughts in my head down, you know, and right. it wasn't like, oh, we've got to have something different. That wasn't my goal, but that's kind of what it's turned out to be. And it, it, I think the cross-stitch industry, which used to be just this big, huge, you know, like the knitting world, it, it just isn't like that anymore. And they just, we need to have different things out there. And I think we, in our email correspondence, had, this had come up about, you know, cross-stitch kind of has this reputation that it's it's falling away, but... I think a lot of people, when they think of cross-stitch, you know, at least um, probably, you know, five years ago, they were like, well, you know, it's something that young, hip people are not doing that. While that may not be true, and young, hip people were, in fact, cross-stitching, you were. You know, a lot of other people you met were as well. Um, but what do you think is, is helping to change the popular opinion of, of cross-stitch? Well, I think that 
there's a lot of people who've been in the industry a long time who who see that there aren't younger people stitching and that they're really striving, like this Bucilla thing. They're they're really trying to be proactive and find some some designers out there that are that they think will appeal to that younger crowd, and they're trying to. One of the distributors, Hoffman, is, uh, actually in TNNA, they're spo- they were sponsoring a, like a how to learn to stitch, you know, and they were providing, they were going to like the Mall of America and, well, and the whole stitch and pitch thing too, that's kind of aimed at a younger crowd mm-hmm, as well, definitely. you know, just, just more things like that to have, you know, go to your local Girl Scout troop and, you know, provide, if you could, you know, lots of companies will provide you with threads and fabric if you're willing to go and teach those kids. And just more and more people need to do that. And I think that, the, like I said, the people who've been in the industry for a long time have just seen the decline, and they they see that there aren't younger folks doing it. I think. And and plus, you know, you see all the celebrities they're knitting, and you see it in the magazine. You don't see it just in craft magazines. You see it in you know, cosmopolitan people or, you know, whatever. So it just isn't cool right now. And I think we just need to focus on how do you you make it cool again? Mm -hmm. Because it could be. Well, and it sounds like for you, it's, you know, since you're just kind of putting yourself into your designs, you know, you're not, you're doing something unconventional because you're not trying to be like some other designer out there. So it's kind of bringing something fresh to the industry too. And that appeals to young people. Because they may not be interested in embroidering a little teddy bear or Santa Claus, you know, onto a Christmas ornament, you know, like it's it's been done so many times before, you know. Right. Or they might want to put a skull and crossbones on a Christmas ornament, you know. Exactly. Some yeah, new, yeah, yeah. Some new twist, you know. But it sounds like you're also with your some of the designs you're coming up with, we're incorporating cross stitch into jewelry, as you mentioned earlier, that project. And that's the kind of stuff when you show young people how they can, you know, use cross stitch and apply it to other non-conventional fabrics uh, or things they wouldn't have thought of before that's going to really really appealing to to them so it sounds like you're doing your part to get the young hipsters into this yeah (laughs) and who do you see when you walk into your local the shop you know like today you're working at a at a shop do you see a lot of young people coming in no No. No. (laughs) i wish you did i i shouldn't say never but it's most of the people that come in are older than me yeah most of them and but, like, on Saturday, there was a mom, and she had her, she said her daughter was 12, and her, she was stitching things that some adults probably, <laughs> you know, people have been stitching for a long time, and she was very into it, and she picked out her own, you know, fabric and floss, and so I think that there's a lot of kids out there like that, um, you just don't see them as often. And what, for, for people that are maybe sitting at home, maybe doing some other project right now, not cross-stitch, um, if they're thinking, hmm... Sounds cool. I want to. I want to get into this. What do people need to know to get started with cross stitch? Gosh, almost nothing. I mean, if you can hold a needle in your hand, it's just a simple. You know, it's a cross. You just make a bunch of X's. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what intimidates people about cross stitch sometimes is it's counted. You know, like you can go buy kits and they're stamped, more like a needlepoint canvas or something. But right. But. The cross stitch that I do is is you have to count, and and I think some people get it t- intimidated by that, or they think they can't see it, or but it's it's not hard, and it's 
it's actually quite simple. Finding the center might be the hardest part, but for the most part, I think it, you can teach anybody how to stitch. Now, do you always start in the center with cross-stitch? You know, I don't, but I think that's a good way to start learning. Where do you start? <laughs> Wherever I feel like. <laughs> yeah. it, honestly, it just it depends on the design. Sometimes I start with the, the words, just especially if it's my own design, so I can see if the, it's if the proportions are really working out. So mm -hmm. I approach it a little bit differently now that I'm designing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like too. I mean, it's everything's the squares are there, so you count squares. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you have you do have a guide, even if you don't have it stamped on there. You know, so yeah. well, and it's liberating too to hear you say that you you start wherever you want, so <laughs> you don't have to start in the middle. You know, the folks no. at home if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, plus, who's gonna know, right? Well, right. <laughs> I always tell people that too. It's it's yours. If you don't like that color orange, put pink in there or whatever. It's okay to stray away from. You know, if you're knitting a sweater, you don't always buy that exact or a shawl. You know, you sometimes you you pick up the pattern. But you pick out the, the color or whatever, or the, you know, the weight of yarn that you are, you are interested in is it as a piece of fashion, you know. So cross it shouldn't be any different. Yeah. Well, I know I very rarely pick out the exact uh, materials um, asked for in a pattern. And sometimes yeah. that leads me down the path of destruction. But, um, but oftentimes <laughs> I'm quite pleased with how things turn out. And I think that's what designers actually enjoy seeing people take their design and make it their own, you know, oh, make, yeah. bring something else to it. And so do you often get to see what people have made? Yeah, people send me pictures a lot. Of, you know, I love getting pictures of people's finished projects or works in progress. Of, you know, and a lot of times they do change things up. But I, I'd say that's probably one of the notorious things about cross-stitches is they're pretty much by the book. They want, to, they want the fabric exactly like they call for. and Not everybody, but... A good portion of those people want exact threads and exact colors. And yeah, so. and and it's good that you're able to tell them there where to, what you used and how they can get the exact same thing. Now, with some of your kits, do you sell the? Do they come with the the the, um, the floss as well and the materials to do the stitching? The no, threads? mostly I yeah. just do charts. Actually, okay. the, the one that I sent you that's got the screen in it was. Um, Anything we have with screen, we've I've been selling with a piece of screen in it. Um, because that might be harder for people to find. Yeah, and it isn't. It's at any hardware store. It's just that nylon screen. You can buy a roll of it for, I don't know, five bucks or something. It's not. It's just I think it's outside of your realm of thinking a little bit is all. Mm -hmm. Right, because people don't think cross-stitchers don't normally go to the hardware store. Right. Um, but uh, I actually think hardware stores are like the best craft supply stores ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's tons of stuff there, tons of potential. So you, you sell the thing, you know, your design with basically the, the chart is what people really need, and then they can kind of go hog wild, uh, whether they want to put it on screen, fabric, whatever. Right. Um, they can disguise the limit. And the majority of things I have are on fabric, which is usually hand-dyed linen, um, which is really cool too. Once you get into the world of hand dyed threads and fabric, it's it's a totally new. <laughs> do, you, do you do some of the dyeing yourself? Do you? Do I've been dyeing punch needle fabric, which is also another fun needle working thing, and uh, so that's been cool. I mostly I was doing that because the fabric that was out there, and it's weaver's cloth. It's nothing really exciting. It's um, 
but the people who were dying it were dying really, you know, um, dusty colors that were not as vibrant as what I was interested in punching on. So that's, I thought, well, you know, my mom had talked about these cold water dyes and she paints with them a lot. And so I just borrowed them from her house and just started playing and now I have a whole inventory of dye. <laughs> so that every, you know, if I can get Miles to go to sleep fairly early, I'll stay up some nights till two or three and just dye fabric. That's awesome. It's fun. It's yeah. Neat. And so do you do a lot of shows still where you go around and sell, try to sell your kits um, directly uh, to distributors and stuff? I mean, do you still find that you have to do that, or are you established enough where you just ship off your latest designs to distributors that you know you've done business with in the past well you do yeah i do both of those things but yeah i'm not i'm not in the industry i am a new kid on the block still i yeah if somebody says to me that uh, that i'm established i kind of like think hmm, you must not be around very long yeah, <laughs> yeah. i've been doing this for 20 years plus yeah so it takes how long do you think it takes to really feel like well, how long do, well how many more years do you think you'll really feel like okay i'm established now I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I think, I mean, in some people's eyes, I think they think of Monster Bubbles as being fairly established, but um, I, I'd say a couple more years at least. And we, I do two trade shows a year, and um, I don't think I'll ever stop doing those because I shouldn't say ever, but it's just a great way to meet the shop owners and, you know, explain your design and maybe your thought process behind it just a little bit and I think then they take that back to their employees at their shop, and it's just like any retail thing. That, and some of the, these little specialty stores still have people that help you, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like these big chains that just doesn't <laughs> that doesn't happen. Right, They're not set right. up like that. Exactly. So I think the more information that you can share with the shop owner, that they they will they'll just automatically bring it back because they're all salespeople. They know, you know. Um, and they'll bring it back, and then those people will share it with their customers, and then maybe your product will start moving out the door more. So I think it's just an invaluable tool. Of, even if you don't sell that much at the market, you just it, it's priceless what you can get out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And your needle punch designs, Do you? when did you get into needle punch? Um, you know, a couple of years. I think it might have been our very first trade show. My sister goes with me to almost all the shows. They were demonstrating it. And they look like little rugs. They're really neat. And so she and I both observed, and then I, I took a class, like a little 15-minute like craft class in it. And then that's probably two years ago or so, and just have done it ever since on and off. The good thing, the cool thing about punch needle is it's one of those things that you can get done, you can get a little design done in an evening without... It's very rewarding in that fashion. You can go, oh, I accomplished something tonight. You right, know? right. The tools are a little bit pricey. Like the needles are, I think I bought three, originally I bought the three sizes. They come in one strand, three or six, and they're like 45 bucks. It's not, a, it's a little bit of a commitment, like knitting, nice knitting needles would be. But, right. Um, but, the, and it uses a lot of thread because it's just a continuous, you know, run of thread. So. Right, right, yeah, and it's looped up so it's not flat. Exactly. So if you're using like a hand-dyed silk or something, you can go through a lot of thread quick. Yeah. So do you prefer cross-stitch? I do. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's just that I've been doing it so long. Yeah, it, I dabble in needlepoint, too, and I like it. It's very uh, relaxing to me, but I always go back to cross-stitch. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's, are you going to be coming out with more needle punch uh, or punch needle designs? Yep, yeah. definitely that. I've got. I I was trying to go toward more that hippie, like the peace, love, happiness. I've got a paisley design I'm working on. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, some that's a little bit more that girls or women, whoever, can put it on their clothes if they want to. Because punch needle's really cool to. You could punch punch on denim or. You know, you don't necessarily have to use that weaver's cloth. You can use anything pretty much, but you can't do on knit. Like, T-shirts wouldn't work. But right, because it wouldn't fall right out. But yeah. yeah. Or, you know, they could do their pillows or your jacket or your book bag. So things more like that is what I've been thinking about. So are you going to be putting some of those designs into your book? Or is that going to be all cross-stitch? You know, we talked about I don't know yet. We talked about it, and then it seems like it just should be another book, honestly. So yeah, I may do a couple, and that'll be a little teaser, and they'll they'll see the advantages of it, and want to have more books. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds great, and it's great that you have the book to work on, and all this cool stuff coming out. And uh, well, I don't know if there's anything else that I, I didn't ask you, or anything else you want people to know about Monster Bubbles, or any. Any advice you have for other people trying to kind of get established as designers? Maybe not necessarily in the world of cross-stitch, but just designers and whatever kind of art form they're they're looking to make a name in for themselves, you know. You know, uh, a long time ago, there was like a Carol Burnett special on, and she told a story about moving to New York and how she was absolutely, no, you know, she was just like anybody from small-town USA and wanted to make it on Broadway she gave herself a five-year goal that she needed to be invested in it for five years. And then at that time, then she could move on to something else. But if she didn't at least get that time, and I don't think everybody needs to do five years. Everybody needs to figure out their own time frame. But I don't think, I, th- I think it's easy to give up really fast if you don't see it immediate financial or whatever reward you're looking for. I think you gotta you gotta stick with it for a couple of years because it I mean it's a big world we live in and lots of talented crafty people out there and I think a lot of times crafty people aren't necessarily the most business savvy and so that it's a, just a learning game so I just say I, my advice is just to stick with it but have a game plan as far as like okay if if in four years or three years this I'm not seeing anything you know be it financial or just you know, response from customers or whatever, then, then you know, then make a decision whether you're going to stop it or not. But don't, like, after the first year, go, gosh, you know, we did, we just broke even, and don't be upset by that. Just keep plugging away, and they'll, people will discover you if you've got something that, that's interesting, I think. No, I think you're right. I think it, you it's hard when you're coming out of nowhere, you know, to start something. You know, you got to give yourself very time. Hard. Yeah, because you're right. There are tons. There's like an influx right now of people doing their crafty thing, you know. Um, yeah. But also, I think there's it, there's more opportunities because more people are getting interested in it. Maybe they don't necessarily want to run a business, a crafty business, but they want to collect the things that the rest of us make and and the things we create. And um, so it's it's pretty exciting time for uh, the do-it-yourself and handmade and you know yeah, designers like you. I wonder why, you know, if it has something to do with just the 9-11 or everybody getting back into more home, you know, old, I don't know. Well, <laughs> old I th- yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting because I think there are a lot of people who have been creating these cool things all along. But I know for me, when I started, you know, looking at people's blogs and going online to see what other people were doing, it just seemed like the world, like, 
got bigger but shrunk all at the same time. It was just a weird, very strange experience <laughs> yeah. because you get to see, like, you could spend days, you know, just days with no breaks at all, looking continuously at some a new website where if someone writing a blog about their knitting or their, you know, artwork or whatever. And it's so oh, yeah. it's so exciting to be able to look at what people are doing and very inspiring. And so Have I, you read the Yarn Harlot? Yeah, I have. In fact, I'd like to get the Yarn Harlot on the show at some point, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's just, yeah. I would love to hear that. She yeah. And I don't even know who turned me on to that, but you have the world of blogs. Well, you go from right. one link to the next, and then you realize that you spend, yeah. like, it's 2 a.m., and you should have gone to bed, you know, three hours or, ago. Yeah, or I should have been stitching, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. should have been doing something else. The dishes are piled up, you know. Yeah, it's 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 completely um, amazing. But I, I think that the thing that's so cool is that everybody, behind all these great websites, there's stories and people that are, you know, working hard, doing what they love, and uh, I know that's what's made... It's so fun for me to you know, get to talk to all, you know folks like you and hear like how you got started and and why you do it and in fact why why do you do it why do you think why do you think you um, have made this commitment to Monster Bubbles for me I think it's kind of replaced that theater in my life that yeah. I don't know but there's something about me that I just have to, and it's not necessarily perform I don't I've never really thought I needed to be on stage but there's something about the the uh, creative process of doing a show or doing a model, a cross-stitch model that, that is just part of me. And I don't know, if I weren't doing this, I, I think I'd, I'd be knitting, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be doing. Do you do other Maybe. things, though, too? I mean, it sounds like you're into beading. Yeah, I'm really into beading right now. Um, you know, I don't sew. Uh, my mom kind of made fun of me for a long time about not sewing. I don't even enjoy it, actually, but I would... I would knit if I had the time at this point. Going to those TNNA shows in the summer and seeing all the people walking around with their really cool clothes on, you know, yeah. that they knit it is just, and looking at all the yarns, it's just beautiful. Well, you're going to have to um, take a little knitting sabbatical at some point. so you. Can... I, I probably will. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> but it's really hard for me to look at that stuff and not dive feet first into it, you know. But, but so, yeah, there's, I mean... Through the years, there's been many, many different crafts. and I mean, we've got a basement full of just literally of different kind of crafts, rubber stamping, scrapbooks, you know. <laughs> so where, where do you work on your, on your designs? You know, I just transformed one of the rooms in our houses, and it's actually Miles and my room. And I, I tend to work all over the house. If you ask my husband, you'd have a totally different answer than what I'm going to give you. <laughs> but... Uh, but I love, I've got kind of an office room now where all my, like, threads and I can bring my laptop. That's part of it, too, is the laptop just goes around with the house with me and goes outside. And so, but that room is where I'm trying to focus most of my energy, I guess. Yeah. But Miles still has a whole shelf of toys in there, too, so he can hang in there with me. And So well, it's kind of our room. Yeah, well, that's great, too, because since you're, you know, you're working from your house designing, um, you know, it's... It's it's great to involve your child in in this process too. So yeah. it's probably really fun. For yeah, him he to looks see. at pictures now and says, "Mommy's stitching," you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, great. that's great. Yeah, and they're like the biggest fans too, because I know Abby's about two and a half, and she just like I'll show her a project. I might stay up really late the night before them, and she wakes up, I'll show her something. She's like, 
Mama, I love it. You know, and I, and I don't always get that reaction out of my husband. He's more of a, a tech kind of guy. You know, he's not real excited about, um, you know, like a hand knit thing. Um, you know, he's like, well, yeah, I really have no idea if that's good or not. But yeah, good job, you know. <laughs> you know? So yeah, the, the little ones are, are fans. So it's, it's wonderful. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today to, to chat with me about what you do. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks to Heather for a great interview. I was cross-stitching when it wasn't cool, and I'm glad to see that it is becoming more popular these days. Especially with designers like Heather out there, the patterns are a lot more fun. Check out craftsanity.com for a free design from Heather. Thank you, first of all, to all of you who posted great comments on the blog. I kind of felt like, wow, that was a bit self-serving, because I said, you know, make a comment on the blog and enter the contest to win a free book. And so all these people, you know, many of you left very nice comments about the show and me coming back from break and good luck with your fitness mission that you're on, which I really appreciated. But, you know, I guess I just want to stress, you don't have to feel compelled to compliment me <laughs> because if you post a comment on the blog and you uh, copy it into an email with, along with your address, you're going to be entered. So don't feel compelled to compliment to get in the contest. Okay, so let's get on to that. We have two winners of Alterna Crafts, 20... High Style, Low Budget Projects to Make. That's a book by Jessica Vitkis, last week's guest. And I am very pleased to announce that Adriana in Mexico, she identified herself as a fairly new listener. So welcome, Adriana, and congratulations. And also Deb in McKinleyville, California, were selected. So check your mailboxes soon. Those will be coming to you directly from Jessica. Also, a special thanks to Yvonne in Downers Grove, Illinois, for supporting the podcast last week. She bought a Craft Sanity t-shirt. And there's more where those came from, folks. So if you're interested in showing your craft sanity spirit while you craft or at the grocery store or at your local gym, I can accommodate you. Um, check out the website and, you know, see if it appeals to you. And I have a couple shirts that I wear around, and I'm actually going to be turning them into workout shirts. You know, I've been influenced by all these T-shirt refurbishers out there that take T-shirts apart and make cool stuff out of them. I'm going to give that a shot and see what I can do to uh, kind of reconstruct my Craft Sanity T-shirt. For this week's contest, uh, if you want to win a design from Heather, it's a pretty cool cross-stitch design that's actually done on a screen. And it's based on a tattoo that she had, the one she mentioned in the podcast. So um, that sample that she sent me, I'm going to be forwarding on. And I did check with her before I went ahead and did this. Um, she sent me a sample, and I fully intended to hog it for myself. <laughs> but I've decided that I just don't have the time to do it right now. And I'd rather see somebody actually get it and be able to work on it right away. So that would make me very happy. So all you have to do to get in this week's drawing is just post a comment about the show on the Craft Sanity blog, and you can post about anything. And then if you want to copy your comment into an email and just in the subject line, just say episode 49 contest or cross-stitch contest, make sure you put your address in there. I'll put a photo on the blog so you can see what you're trying to win. I think that's it for this week. I have about four or five more, I've lost count now, interviews that I've taped at the end of last year that I'm gradually bringing these things to you, finally. And I've kind of stopped taping interviews until I get these out of the hopper. Thanks again for everyone who sent notes encouraging me about my uh, little fitness thing. I uh, appreciate that. So, all right. I think that's it. Have a great week, and don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me.
Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guest and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.